Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the May 12th, 2021 Board of Trustees meeting. We'll start with a roll call. Madam Clerk? Yes, Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Blue. Here. Trustee Dong. Here. Trustee Esteen. Here. Trustee Fox. Sorry, here. Um, Trustee Friedman. Here. Trustee Jensen. Here. Trustee Splendoria. Here. We have a quorum. Thank you. Thank you, Madam Clerk. With with that, we will uh, go into uh, public comment. Again, a, a couple of comments on public comment. As a reminder to our public, this Board of Trustees welcomes public comment. All feedback and commentary is a gift. Generally, commentary on uh, general commentary on public commentary. First, you need to inform the clerk of the board that you would like to make a public comment. Some of you have this evening. Thank you. Two, public comment uh, can be made for specific agenda items or for non-agendized items. So, congratulations to those who did that. So, some have made for agendized items. Uh, third, generally speaking, the time limit is three minutes per speaker. However, if there are many speakers, we will uh, reduce the time per speaker to adjust towards around 30 minutes allowed for public comment. This evening, we have uh, two non-agendized items, so they'll, I'll give them platform. Uh, if Ms. Delita Moore will get ready in a second, and Ms. Adriana Ore will get ready in a second. And then we have two public comments slated for agenda item David 3, D3. So with that, uh, let's go uh, to public comment. Ms. Delita Moore, are you in the room? Yes, I am. Oh, good evening. Um, um, welcome uh, to the Board of Trustees. Um, uh, I think you heard some of the rules we play by. So three minutes, if you do not mind, uh, ma'am, Ms. Moore. All right. Thank you. The floor is yours. Okay. Um, members of the board, thank you for this opportunity. I prepared a statement to read before you. My name is Delita Moore, one of the educators who was terminated from Alameda Health System last year. I don't know what you have been told, nor what you may have heard about the dismantling of an entire department, but I am before you to share a portion of that story. I was accused of misconduct in handling of classes taught for the American Heart Association and my participation in an instructor renewal class. To my bewilderment, these allegations were made by individuals who had no working knowledge about American Heart Association training, nor did they consult a representative from the American Heart Association for validation of their claim. Instead, in one day, I was interrogated by two attorneys and the chief nurse executive for more than two hours and then placed on paid administrative leave. I have been a nurse for 34 years this August, and I have never been treated with such disrespect, nor have I encountered individuals determined to find wrongdoing that would support their narrative. I was lured to a meeting by the chief nurse executive to discuss how to improve the department but was then escorted to a room where the interrogation began. I felt ambushed, humiliated, told I was withholding information that I needed to somehow come clean. 
I was threatened with the loss of my license, the only gift I have to support my family. Unforgivable conduct by anyone holding a position of leadership, I thought. It frightened me. Every day I thought of receiving notice in the mail that my license was in jeopardy. I waited for the investigation that was told would occur for its conclusion. The anguish was not knowing, was gut-wrenching. Months later, my termination letter came. Weeks later, a notice from the American Heart Association came informing me that the organization submitted a complaint of misconduct and that my instructor status was on pending an investigation. At this time, I am broken. I've lost my job and another investigation is on the way and I'm holding my breath about my license practice nursing. In April, I received notice from the American Heart Association that after a review that my instructor status upheld, they did not find evidence to support the allegations made by the chief nurse executive or the director of clinical education. Based on this statement from the American Heart Association, my termination from the organization was wrongful and should not have happened. Had individuals paused, asked for clarification, consulted the experts, this could, not, this could have been avoided. My purpose today is for restoration, but also Ms. to- Ms. Moore, we're at three minutes. I'm gonna give you another 20 seconds to wrap up, please, ma'am. My purpose today is for restoration, but also to stress that these tactics should never happen to anyone ever again. Thank you. Thank you for your comments, Ms. Moore. Our second uh, uh, public comment is Adriana Ore. I apologize if I am not pronouncing correctly. Adriana, are you in the room? Andriana? Andriana? I apologize. Madam Clerk, do you see anyone for this? I don't. Okay. Is there anyone else stacked for um, public comment? No, not for non-agenda items. Okay, thank you. We have two agenda items. With that, we'll move into the open session and we will go to item A, the executive officer's report. I wanna open up uh, the executive officer's report with the introduction of a new trustee. I'm very pleased and happy to announce we have our ninth trustee. Mr. Mark Friedman is our newest trustee and a, a, a few things about Mark for, 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 for everyone to know. Uh, Mr. Friedman is the, for 15 years, was the former CEO of First Five Alameda County. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, First Five is a public entity uh, with a outright purpose to help young children develop and grow within their first five years. Uh, it, it, it is a noble public entity, uh, and uh, he led that for 15 years. Mark is also a former mayor uh, of El Cerrito, where he lives. And he's currently the CEO of the Eden Health District. So I want us all uh, to welcome Mark. He's going to bring a great skill set to help round out this group of trustees. Um, Mark, I, uh, I, Mark uh, spoke previously at our board retreat. I, I give him opportunity, but I won't put him on the spot. Um, but let's, uh, let's all uh, appreciate Mark uh, joining us. Okay. So with that, uh, we'll go to the two articles. Um, I'm not going to de delve too deeply into them. The first article was entitled Essential but Undefined. 
reimagining how policymakers identify safety net hospitals. Um, this comes from the New England Journal of Medicine uh, for physicians in the room. This is sort of one of the things that we read all the time. I, I chose it because I, uh, I was just on a thoughts about definitions and how definitions matter. Um, and, and our definition at Highland as a safety net hospital, our definition at Alameda Health System as a safety net health system and, and defining ourselves is important. But it's also important from a policymaker point of view. And uh, I want us to note uh, some interesting things as we are as our labels which apply, which which go to policy and policy ultimately is an engine to run to help us run finance. An interesting fact is that safety net hospitals are twice as likely to be penalized under Medicare's hospital readmission reduction program and several other uh, pay for performance programs. Yet sometimes safety net hospitals are not grouped with like hospitals and that sometimes puts safety net hospitals at a disadvantage. I just bring this up because we're at a point where, where we're discussing restructuring ourselves and finance and, and our delineation of, our, of ourselves and our component hospitals, including Alameda Hospital, San Leandro Hospital, and sort of redefining who we are is sort of why I chose this article. So I'll open it up for any comment on this article. So do people just like not respond, like that woman who was like- Yeah, yeah, it's just a comment. Yeah, they have happen or no. Everyone mute, please, if you don't mind. They're not speaking. All right. It's okay if there's no comment. It's it's good it's good stuff to read. The second uh, article, I would expect some comment coming on this one. Um, um, it's an op-ed, and it's entitled, Don't Cut Medi-Cal Reimbursement for Telephone Visits. This has been, uh, uh, this has been a, a topic brought up in finance. Trustee Esteen and I have had deep discussions on it. I think it relates deeply to how we forecast our finances as well, because we know that in the COVID era, we went to, we went to telephone visits largely, and uh, we were able to maintain great access for our patients. And as way of background, there is now discussion at the state level of, of reducing or potentially eliminating payments for telephone visits. And many of our patients don't have the tech for, for, for televideo visits. And actually, one, there's no data to suggest that televideo visits are, have superiority over telephone visits. Um, so I'll, I'll leave this item up for discussion. It makes me ask questions about where we sit with regard to our state of advocacy within, within at, at our system. Where, how are we advocating at the state level? What are, what are our mechanisms and the like? So I'm going to call on uh, Trustee Esteen because I know she has comments on this one. Trustee Esteen. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, I think the article actually captures pretty cleanly the questions that I've had uh, around value and valuing video over telephone technology over human interaction. But I think uh, the article states pretty well that telehealth has been a saving grace for patient care during this COVID epidemic. And it has also been a saving grace for our institution financially and for many others. You know, they talk about La Clinica and West Oakland Health right here in our own backyard, our partner institutions that serve the same community and same public. So I'm really glad that this was published in the LA Times. And I second your question and would love to know how our advocacy, which I know is deep uh, into the state, I would love to know if we have progress and an update on uh, Assembly Bill 32 and and where that is taking us for telehealth reimbursements. 
Yes, ma'am. Thank you for your comments. Trustee Dong. Sorry, I was trying to unmute. Um, I just want to express I'm so happy that our local FQHCs are, are in this article, La Penica and uh, West Oakland, uh, both very um, uh, historically advanced uh, health centers, places that are known to the community for decades. And um, this is a matter of equity. I think if anything else showed us during COVID, this is about equity. And particularly for our older patients who just don't, even during the flu season, let alone COVID, they don't want to come out. And it's better to offer them the options. And it's still a health visit. So I, I, I really agree with uh, Trustee Esteem and yourself, Chair Bouquet. I, I just really see this with the lens of equity. Thank you for those comments. Trustee Blue, then Trustee Banerjee. You're on mute, Trustee Blue. I'm on the board of Asian Health Services, which is also a partner uh, community-based clinic of Asian Health. And we have the same issue where, you know, they're not getting the reimbursement for telehealth, right? And so I think we should work in coalition with our community-based clinics, right, who are also facing the same issue as they had to move to telehealth. And once again, it is an issue of equity. Thank you, Tom, Trustee Blue. Trustee Banerjee. Yeah, I, uh, especially the parts of in the article that talked about like how do you um, build the infrastructure so that you're supporting folks with all of the other things, digital literacy, um, other things that allow them to be using video if possible, but also really focusing on quality. So if you kind of focus on value as uh, Trustee Esteem said and quality and uh, if the outcomes are better then the as many you know having these different modes of care um, tied to quality would be would make would really make the difference over uh, the stock of quantity. Thank you Trustee Banerjee. Trustees any uh, tr uh, Trustee Freeman. Yeah. Um, I agree with my colleagues. I think it's an important article. And, you know, there's other aspects that um, the article didn't go into that, of course, they can't cover everything. But I had the privilege of uh, being present for a presentation by Dr. Karen Tribble, uh, the uh, head of behavioral health. And she talked in some cases uh, through telehealth and um, electronic means uh, visits with those with severe mental illness had gone up 400% because for many people, it's such a challenge to navigate the public transportation system if they don't have access to a vehicle and the time spent away from their family or their job is really prohibitive. So I agree totally with my colleagues. It's an equity issue. And it's also an equity for our employees too. We have to pay our uh, workforce, regardless if it's an in-person visit or a telephone or computer visit. And so our costs are not that appreciably less. So I think uh, I totally agree we need our advocacy arm to take this on. Thank you, Trustee Friedman. Trustee yeah. Slendorov? Yeah, I, I, to repeat it, I mean, it's, it's, it's very obvious a social equity question that uh, seems not to resonate with the folks who we think would be more responsive to those issues. Um, and um, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and it's also keep up with the times. You know, I mean, <laughs> the, uh, um, you know, it, I, I say that, but I also harken back to the history of community hospitals and in rural areas and why they started. You know, they started because they couldn't get to the city, and you know, this is this much different. You know, you can't get there, or unless you and you can't, you don't have video, you don't have high speed internet, you don't have access. You have, but you have a cell phone. And we should be bringing the health care to the folks that need it more than anybody else. Yes, sir. Well said. Any other comments on this article? Thank you for the dialogue, as always. Uh, so with that, I'll give it to uh, uh, Vice President Jensen, if she has any other opening comments, and then uh, Secretary Treasurer Esteem. No comments, Tr Trustee Jensen? Thank you. Uh, Trustee, any other opening comments as we dive into this meeting? Yeah, I think uh, I'll be very brief and I'll quote uh, someone who I admire greatly, Bell Hooks, uh, when she says, what is due, what we do rather, is more important than what we say or what we believe. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, you know, no comment to our uh, public comment that started the meeting off, but I think our values are reflected in everything we do. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. With that, we will close out item A, uh, the executive officer's report, and we'll go into item B, the CEO report. Mr. Jackson, good evening, sir. Good evening, Chair Bouquet and trustees and to the public. Thank you for the opportunity. I do have a PowerPoint presentation that I will ask um, um, our counselor to bring up, and um, I will be speaking based on the pillars of the organization. So, um, very good. Thank you. If we can go to the Full view, excellent. Our first pillar is access. And I wanted to start off by talking about a project that's gonna be taking place starting on the 17th of this month. And it's essentially a lean exercise. They're gonna have a, a Kaizen event where they're gonna be looking to reduce case cancellations and delays on the day of surgery. And this is intended to address the process of initiating the case request during the patient consult. Um, this is a specific and particular one, but I wanted to just bring this to the attention of the trustees because I'm very excited about the reintegration of lean work. Lean has been with AHS for a number of years, but I think we have an opportunity to really integrate it more fully into the daily life of the organization. So I'm very excited about this event that will be happening in our Fairmont cafeteria. Um, I encourage any and all who have an interest. Um, certainly there are daily outbriefings at the end of the day, and this is something that I want to be bringing to the trustees more frequently as we seek opportunities to go to the Gimba and to find um, opportunities for improvement across the entire organization. Moving to the next slide, um, I want to, this is our workforce pillar, and there are a few elements here. I want to start off by showing a brief video that our PACE team put together um, that really captures the events of the past week um, that were our COVID memorial. And so, um, Ahmad, if you will play the video, that'd be great. Thank you.
nice adaptation amat <laughs> mm-hmm. this is kinkini can you go to slide show mode like look on the top and i'm sorry let me try to get a hold of this every day an honor and humble to lead this organization and to work with each of you all of you are truly instant dedicated hard working and courageous as i round and visit with staff at all of our facilities i'm reminded that these words describe you for those on the front lines of covid-19 know that our entire organization and our community are proud of the work that you do every day an honor and humble to lead this organization and to work with each of you all of you are truly inspirations to me Trustees, I'm not sure what happened to the balance of the audio. There wasn't an audio track with this, but what you're seeing are photos from the various events that happened across the entire health system. This was one of the physicians here um, who did a wonderful Beatles cover. Um, we had some staff sitting out participating in the event. So um, these were really well attended, um, and I think that there was a lot of appreciation from the staff for the, you know, the the recognition of what they've been through for the past year and so um i wanted to share this video this was down at newark but i wanted you to see um the breadth of the experiences across the system there was a really beautiful um collage mural that was made by the residents and the the staff at fairmont that we had the opportunity to see so it really um i thought was a very nice series of events katherine horner um our leader our chief administrative officer for ambulatory was the the kind of the the ring leader if you will um but there were so many people who gave uh their efforts to make this happen and so i'm just grateful to them all so we'll let the the videos can finish this was at um park bridge I didn't authorize the release of balloons. Um I, I did go try to collect them after. Great. Thank you very much, Amanda. I want to take a moment now and talk about um what's referred to as the multiverse event. This is something that um Dr. Felicia Tornabene has been on point on and our foundation um really brought this to our attention. Um it's an event called Healing Our Healthcare Heroes and it's hosted by 1440 Multiversity and born out of a debt of gratitude for the tireless efforts of healthcare providers. 
The initiative includes a restorative three-day, two-night workshop retreat on the the 75-acre nonprofit multiversity campus in the Santa Cruz Mountains. We've had, it's going to be on June 18th through the 20th, and through last Friday, 45 of our staff had the opportunity to apply. We had a a significant number of people apply. We're going to be letting the folks know who was selected. Um, The daily faculty content sessions focus on topics born out of significant healthcare provider concerns, including trauma, stress, and resilience, moral injury, moral distress and recognition, nutrition and the immune system, grief and healing, and then hope, journey to joy and growth. And so we feel like this is a really um, powerful opportunity for our staff to um, get tools to help restore themselves after the trauma of this past year. So unfortunately, we have a limited number that can go, but we are excited about those who will be attending. Um, We have another video that I'd like to show you. This one's much shorter. So Maude, if you would be so kind as to open that one, that would be great. The obligatory commercial. I apologize for that. There we go. So what you're seeing here are photos from the food trucks. We brought in food trucks last week on Thursday to all of the campuses and had a hosted meal session for our employees. And um, it wasn't without little bumps here and there but it was very well received and there were a lot of positive comments that came back as a result. Um, Also feedback on how we can do this better in the future. Um, And so very excited to have been able to provide a little bit of uh, comfort and joy to the employees um, during hospital week. What we are now talking about is perhaps having the off the grid folks who these trucks come from, um, having them come more frequently. And so it wouldn't necessarily be hosted by the organization every time, but we will make the space available and work collaboratively with our food service staff because I think the staff really enjoyed the diversity of the menus and the opportunity to get outside and have a nice meal. So that's something that we're looking to do more often. But the food trucks were very well received. Um, Janet McKinnis is the person that I'd like to call out. Janet um, took this on kind of at the 11th hour and really pulled it together nicely. And so um, my gratitude to Janet for her efforts there. I want to move to the next item on my list, and that is the, um, it's a, not a happy one, but it's the departure of Dr. Tanvir Hussein. So let's, let's stay on the previous slide, please. Um, Dr. Hussein has been with the organization for more than four years. Um, I would just say that Dr. Hussein is a physician. He's an internist. He's a researcher, as well as a quality executive. And um, he really has been phenomenal in the time that he's been here. The trustees have had the opportunity to hear him speak about the work that we were doing to address our regulatory issues. And Tanvir's leadership has been essential and just superb. And so he has a wonderful opportunity. And so while it's a loss for us, it's a very positive opportunity for him. Um, We've had a very specific conversation about the fact that I wish him well, but I also am looking forward to getting the call that says he wants to come back to AHS. And so um, just putting that out there, Tanvir, um, really going to miss you and the services you provided, but we are extremely grateful for everything you've done for the organization. 
The next item I'd like to talk about is the departure of our legal counsel, Mr. Mike Moyer. Um, I think all of you know Mr. Moyer, and Mike has been with the organization for probably seven years. Um, and through thick and thin, Mike has been phenomenal. He's really done a lot of wonderful things for the organization. A lot of key initiatives took place on his watch. Mike is uh, retiring, and um, he has wonderful plans for his future. And so I just wanted to take this opportunity during his last meeting to thank him publicly and to wish him, um, as we used to say in the Navy, fair winds and following seas. So Mike, thank you for everything you've done. If we can go to the next slide, please, Ahmad. Workforce, re-engaging AHS. Trustees, you've seen a variation of this. I intend to present this on a regular basis. And so it hasn't changed much since the retreat, but I just wanted to emphasize um, the rounding continues. Some things of note, I will begin rounding on evenings and weekend shifts um, effective June 3rd, because obviously we're a 24-7 operation, and so the rounding should not be limited to business hours during the week. So I will be rounding after hours and on weekends starting in a few weeks. Um, I also wanted to point out the walks are starting again. Um, I talked to you about this at the retreat, but it says around Lake Merritt, but we're going to look at other locations as well because we want to push this across the entire system. So we're looking at um, venues in the San Leandro area as well as on the island of Alameda for us to do walks on a regular basis. And so that's going to be starting in July, um, one weekday and one Saturday each month, weather permitting. And our intent is to create a holistic and healthy environment and to engage people in dialogue in ways that they might not otherwise have had the opportunity. Um, our next pillar is sustainability. And I wanted to focus specifically on something that I'm very excited about. We are finalizing negotiations with the county for um, John George uh, Psychiatric Hospital Services in fiscal year, um, well, actually it's fiscal year um, 22. So it's looking forward. Um, we have reached a tentative agreement and with the county, and it's awaiting approval from the Board of Soups on the 8th of June. Our immediate objective, of course, is to get John George to a break-even point and to minimize, if not stop, the negative impact on the net negative balance. Um, I would note that the last time we had an increase from the county was, I believe, in 2017. So this is something that's long overdue, so we're very excited to um, bring this to some closure. Um, the next item that I wanted to touch briefly was IOP. That's a topic that's been, no, if we can say, thank you. Um, IOP has been hey, brought to, yes. James, yes, I just, please. this is Kim. I'm sorry to interrupt you. John George, we've, uh, there was a period of time where we hadn't had increases, but we did get caught up and we had an increase for 20. And now this is the normal process for 21. And then we'll have this again in 22 probably in the January timeframe. We're a little later this year. Took a little longer to get all the data and COVID impacted us, but this is the normal process. It's just a few months delayed. Thank you. I appreciate the clarification, Kim. Thank you very much. Um, You're welcome. IOP. And so this has come to the trustees a number of times previously. And so um, Mark Fraske has been leading our efforts there, but we are actively working with the staff um, as well as the leadership to try to find a path forward with the objective, of course, of providing the best um, mental health care services for those who are not in need of hospitalization. Um, we are expecting an operations report in mid-May with a final financial analysis done by the 1st of June. And so I'm looking forward to having Mark and the team come to the trustees with a definitive plan forward for how we're going to be providing um, IOP as well as um, um, mental health wellness services in the near future. 
patient experience. Um, that's a photo of Teresa Cooper, who is our VP for patient services here at Highland, um, myself, and the gentleman in the middle is a former patient, and the, his wife is there on the right. Um, they are uh, Damon and Carmela. And Damon asked to see Teresa and I last week. Damon had a, a pretty bad accident. He was hurt on a, in a work event a couple of months ago and was in our ICU for an extended period of time. Um, I had the good fortune to go with Teresa and visit him while he was in the ICU. He was back for an outpatient visit last week, and he asked to see us because he really wanted to express his appreciation to our, to our care team. He really felt like he had received excellent care. He's been treated at other facilities, but he felt like what he'd received here at Highland was um, superior to anything he'd experienced before, and he just wanted us to know that. And um, so I was grateful for him taking the time to speak to Teresa and myself, and um, Teresa being Teresa, she brought Carmela flowers and a little Mother's Day gift. But it was just a, a nice um, wrap-up to a pretty um, traumatic event. So I wanted to share that with the trustees. And then I will turn to the ED staff excellence. I'm, I'm sorry, back one slide, if you wouldn't mind, the, the second bullet. Um, I wanted to talk about an event that took place um, last week. Um, I happened to be walking. It was the night of the food trucks, actually. And um, I had the opportunity to see up close and personally an example of the extraordinary care and commitment that I believe really is emblematic of what happens here at the Alameda Health System. There was a distraught woman in front of the Highland Campus main entrance, and I, um, I went into the ED, and a nurse there by the name of Heather Duffin um, immediately volunteered to come out with me to um, try to see what could be done for this individual. When Heather and I got out front, the individual was gone. We couldn't find her. And so, you know, we just considered, hoped that she was okay, and we went on about our evening. Um, later that evening, I returned. I just, I felt like I should. I went and I looked again, and I found her. The woman had moved down the street. She was by the horseshoe, actually. And so um, I ran back into the ED and um, spoke to the charge nurse, who is April Oldenburg. And Isaac Machado was there with her. He's the assistant nurse manager. They both responded immediately, and April volunteered to come with me. Um, Isaac went to get a wheelchair. Um, April began talking to this woman, and the individual declined treatment. She had been in the ED previously and had left me against medical advice. She declined to be treated, and she insisted on that she wanted to leave. So she was prepared to go. That's when Isaac made it out with the wheelchair. Isaac, um, April asked him if he would take a try, talk to her a little bit, and he did. And Isaac, I watched him walk over, kneel down in front of this woman. She'd moved across the street. And really just engaged her in a very human and compassionate way. And um, he came back and he said, she's going to come back with us. So it was really wonderful. And I thought the story was going to end there. Um, I then went home. I got a call from Teresa the next day. This woman was crowning. She was in active labor. And that evening she delivered a six pound baby girl. Um, what really could have been a, a dangerous delivery had she actually left became a, a story of hope and, in my eyes, a story of redemption. What Heather, April, and Isaac demonstrated last Thursday was the best of us, I believe. My gratitude and respect for them is boundless. They provided a reminder of the wonders many of you work every day here at the Alameda Health System. And so I, I salute them, and I wanted to share that story with the trustees. Next slide, please. 
This is an award that we received recently, and um, and there are actually two. And so this one is for opioid care, and um, this comes from the California Health and Human Services Agency, the Hospital Quality Institute, and the Cal Hospital Compare. They rec- they're recognizing our hospital with the 2020 Maternity and Opioid Care um, Honor Roll Awards. The award for opioid care, we scored either 21 or greater points on the 2020 Opioid Management hospital self-assessment and scored at least one point in each of the following four domains of care, safe and effective opioid use, identifying and treating patients with opioid use disorder, overdose prevention, and applying cross-cutting opioid management best practices. So that's for the opioid one. And if you'll move to the next slide, please. The maternity honor roll, our hospital has a cesarean rate, uh, section rate of 23.9% or lower for low-risk first birth deliveries and participates in the California Maternal Quality Care Collaborative's uh, Maternal Data Center. So I really wanted to share that with the trustees and those at the meeting tonight. Um, I believe that we're providing great quality care here at the Alameda Health System, and these are um, qualitative affirmations of that quality care that we're providing. Trustees, thank you for your attention. Um, Those are all of my items to report. I'm happy to take any questions or comments. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Ahmad, sir, will you t- turn us back into full view? I mean, a gallery view, thank you. Uh, so that way I can see everyone. Trustees, any comments? Uh, Trustee Dong, did you shake your head? No, okay, got it. Um, trustees, any comments? Um, uh, I'd like to thank our CEO for this uh, demonstration of what's happening at AHS and, and how the community is building and strengthening and hearing about a a pregnant mother being brought back in from the sidewalk is incredibly heartening. That's the kind of thing that could lead to all sorts of terrible outcomes. So it is wonderful to know that we have true heroic activities happening um, because that's great for the mother, the baby and the institution. Thank you, you, Trustee Asim. Trustee Dong. Um, thank you, Chair Paquette. I, I just really appreciated also um, Mr. Jackson's comments and, and how he did um, all of the staff by saying these heroic acts happen every day. And I just want to express my great appreciation to all the staff and for all the great they do every day. Thank you, Trustee Don. Trustees, other comments? I, I have a number of comments as well. Um, uh, first, um, to the two departures, uh, appreciation to General Counsel Moy. He's spent endless hours in this place. Um, I know because when I leave, I see his car. <laughs> and I know he he has worked very, very hard for, uh, for this organization. And with appreciation, uh, Mike, I hope you have a great retirement. Uh, I'll be what we'll be thinking of you. And then, of course, uh, to Dr. Tanvir Hussein, um, wow, what a, what a gamer in quality. And uh, he has helped change the face of this organization and uh, saved it from the depths of despair and, uh, and hopefully put us on the right track. And then my third comment is a, a slight bit of disappointment in my CEO's report. It looks like we're missing one other certificate on that presentation. 
the okay. Joint Commission certificate. <laughs> I would have liked to see the Joint Commission certificate, sir. <laughs> um, uh, if, if you will, if you'll just, uh, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you the floor on making that uh, what that certificate was uh, for the for the public. Thank you. Um, and uh, duly noted, you're right. That absolutely <laughs> should have been blazoned at the very outset. Um, we received full accreditation from the Joint Commission. And that certificate is an acknowledgement of that. And um, it's something that I shared via email with the trustees, but you're right, that would have been very appropriate for my report. But um, it's really a testament to everybody in this organization who rallied after last year's, you know, less than successful survey um, to have essentially a zero finding survey. We had one finding that was corrected the day of. It's just unheard of. And so, you know, my hat's off to this entire organization and the way they've rallied. So thank you for that reminder. Yes, sir. And we'll, we'll, find, we'll find the right place to emblazon that, uh, uh, that certificate and, uh, and be proud of it and be ready for the next time. Absolutely. They come. So um, barring no other comments from the trustees, scanning the room, I don't see any hands. Excellent. Oh, sorry, Trustee Fox. Yes, sir. You're on mute, sir. Also, I just want to note the CARF accreditation that was received by the San Leandro uh, Acute Rehab Unit, which is also no small accomplishment. Yes, sir. It's nice when we have a plethora of things to talk about so much that we forget how good some of them are. So I, I, hope, it, I hope we all see more of that. Thank you, Trustee Fox. With that, we'll close out item B. Actually, uh, Trustee Banerjee, did you have your hand up? I do. Trustee. Oh, sorry, Trustee Blue and then Trustee Banerjee. Yeah, so just getting back to, um, you know, the patient experience, it also occurs outside of being the hospital. And so this is just a short story, but this person somehow got my text, my, my cell phone and sent me a text. And he was treated at the hospital because of some accident that he had. He said the care was great. Um, but he had an issue with um, the bill. He agreed with the bill, but because he's a low-wage worker, he also, and uninsured, he also wanted to um, talk, talk to somebody about a payment plan. And so I just want to thank uh, James and then also Rona, right, for forwarding the information to the appropriate person and billing. And I received a text message from this gentleman yesterday saying that he appreciated um, the talk with the billing person. And it looks like that they've figured out a payment plan that he can afford. So I just wanted to add that too. Thank you, Trustee Blue. Trustee Banerjee? Yeah, I didn't have a comment actually. I was- Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, but I did, now that my mic is unmuted, a um, huge thanks to our um, staff who show this kind of uh, commitment and dedication to the mission every single day, every single shift, and make such a difference. And also uh, all my um, wishes to our two departing leaders. Thank you so much. Thank you, Trustee Banner. I just want to thank Trustee Blue. This is Kim Miranda for that comment. The the, the billing team is working hard, uh, and it's really nice to hear that. So thank you for bringing that up. Thank you, Ms. Miranda. Well, that will close item B, and we'll go into item C. This is the medical staff reports. Um, for the audience, we, we have direct interaction with our med staff leaders. 
we hopefully will have three in the room. I see one of them. Uh, no, there I see three of them. Um, uh, we hear for a few minutes from each of our med staff leaders. Uh, so coming out of the gates, Dr. Irina Williams is the chief of the medical staff for Alameda Health System. Good evening, Dr. Williams. Good evening. Um, the floor is yours. Sounds good. Um, yep, so I'm going to proceed with my report. Um, it will be attached to the package passed uh, after this meeting. I believe it was not unfortunately submitted last week, so we apologize for that. Um, the credentials and privileges discussion happened during the last uh, uh, QPSC uh, session. Uh, you have a few items on your consent agenda regarding some of the privilege forms for um, AHS medical staff. Um, an exciting update from the med staff is that we are resuming um, the Schwartz rounds uh, initiative. Um, we used to have Schwartz rounds in the past, but then um, uh, due to COVID and a few other reasons, we sort of stopped stop doing those. So Schwartz rounds uh, focused on the human dimension of medicine. Um, and our wellness committee is assembling a steering committee for Schwartz rounds to discuss uh, tough cases and support our clinicians and providers uh, through the this modality of communication. And um, our Schwartz rounds are being relaunched in June of 2021. So that's one of the initiatives that I wanted to let the board know about. Um, and in terms of the concerns, I think the specialty care and coverage um, and communication between um, inpatient and specialty has been sort of high on the priority list for our concerns. Um, I would like to give an update that um, we've mentioned this issue a few times uh, during the previous meetings and we now we are taking active steps um, to address this concern. So there are currently two different work groups that are working on this problem across the health system. Um, and hopefully we're going to make some progress um, on this issue soon. Um, I think another concern that we have is the, due to the transition of our quality leader, sort of the, the uh, how, how we see in the future of um, quality in our health system and what changes this may bring. Um, and another concern that we have reported in the past was around the transparency, communication, and trust. And I just wanted to say that m medical staff greatly appreciates the efforts that the system leaders have been um, undertaken to address that concern and that the the rounding of our leaders, the transparency and communication um, is definitely there and we see it and we appreciate it. And we're also looking forward to uh, finding out the results of the score survey that recently took place. And that concludes my report. Thank you, Dr. Williams. So what, what, what I heard in, in, in your areas of concern or addressing our specialty care communications, congratulations. It sounds like you have two working groups to attack uh, and dig into that problem. Uh, concerns around the quality changes as that, as, that, as that part of our system evolves. The med staff voice, of course, is central to that. We know that Title 22 uh, charges the medical staff with uh, contributions to quality. And then uh, three, transparency, communication, and trust, which uh, what I think I heard is you're you're seeing a positive vector in that right now, and uh, yeah. uh, hopefully you'll, you'll you you and your team will help to contribute that, which I'm sure you are. So, uh, trustees, any questions of Dr. Williams? I don't see any hands up. 
wanted to give a quick shout out to uh, president of BMG, Chitra Achilles Warren, because she is leading one of the work groups around specialty care. So I wanted to share my appreciation of her efforts with the board. Dr. Williams, we like shout outs. So yes, and so thank you. And Dr. Achilles Warren, it has a, there she is smiling. Um, she has an agenda item later this evening. So that probably won't address this specifically, but thank you for, 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 for telling this. I, it's good to, to see uh, capable hands uh, guiding this kind of thing. With that, we'll uh, close out Dr. Williams. Next, we'll hear from Dr. Adris Afzali, who is uh, on the San Leandro Hospital Leadership Committee. And uh, uh, he, we always uh, appreciate his voice on things. Dr. Afzali, good evening. Uh, good evening, Dr. Bouquet, trustees. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, I'm going to continue the uh, note of positivity uh, that we've been hearing so far. Uh, really appreciate all the positive uh, energy shared tonight. Um, the volumes at San Leandro are back and increasing. Uh, the ED's been seeing trends in the 80s to 90s. Uh, on a daily basis, which is uh, uh, quite a bump from 50s and 60s we were seeing a few weeks ago, um, which is great news. Uh, Dr. Abzali, you mean, uh, are, are we talking percentages or absolute patients? We're, we're talking about absolute patients. 80 yes, sir. People today. Okay. Um, this, is, uh, this brings me to my first point uh well, not so much of a concern, but something to highlight. Uh, the uh, ED volumes have been going up, but the inpatient uh, volume has still been uh, on, on the lower end uh, and has been mentioned by the inpatient uh, team as an area of concern and, and sort of soliciting transfers into the hospital from, from Highland. Uh, I wanted to highlight uh, some of the reasons for why that is. Um, so San Leandro, uh, I'll, I'll use an example. Uh, this past Sunday, uh, total ED census was 69 patients in a 24-hour period uh, and only four admits. Uh, it makes us look like, uh, you know, our acuity is low and, you know, we're not admitting a lot from, from the ED. Uh, but kind of digging deeper into the data, there were 13 transfers out of the ED for a higher level of care that day. Uh, three of these were uh, behavioral health transfers to John George, but 10 of them uh, were medical transfers out that could have potentially stayed at uh, San Leandro and given a significant bump to the inpatient volume. Um, so th those are important uh, numbers to track. My hope in the next month or two is, is to uh, put that on the, on the radar for everybody that looks at this data uh, so that we're keeping it in mind. Uh, some of these we can't avoid, uh, but uh, hopefully moving uh, forward, we can keep more of these patients in-house at San Leandro and avoid the movement of patients between sites. It also touches on Dr. Williams's point about uh, subspecialty coverage uh, and uh, sort of the consult availability, which is the main reason for why we transfer some of these folks out. Um, that brings me to my second point update. Uh, San Leandro Hospital will be the site of uh, a pilot next month, uh, hopefully uh, pending uh, some review and, and sort of fine tuning of uh, expansion of our telemedicine uh, abilities between uh, Highland subspecialty groups and uh, San Leandro and Alameda. The pilot will specifically focus on, on uh, 
uh, San Leandro, and it'll involve just one specialty, neurosurgery, uh, where we will run a two-week pilot of uh, having consults done in the ED uh, by the neurosurgeons. So I want to thank neurosurgery for volunteering to, to help me uh, do this, as well as uh, the work group that Dr. Williams mentioned, led by Dr. Achilles Warren. Um, so hopefully this will open up a new opportunity for us to expand our capacity to care for our patients. Um, the last item I have on the uh, update there is uh, uh, point of care ultrasound in the emergency department uh, is one step closer to being a, a reality uh, and uh, hopefully by this time next month will be fully functional. Um, that is all the updates I have for you. All good positive steps uh, moving in the right direction. Thank you, Dr. Osali. Trustees, uh, there's Trustee Dong's hand. Trustee Dong. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Dr. Afzali. Question, what do you account for the increase of the numbers, whole numbers of patients um, in the ED? Uh, our COVID volume has uh, has dropped significantly. Our inpatient uh, admissions for COVID and even those we encounter in the ED has dropped significantly. So these are uh, general medical uh, volumes that are, are, are returning. Uh, for some reason, San Leandro has seen a percentage-wise a bigger bump in, in volume uh, compared to the other sites. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what's driving it, although I will mention that uh, at 80 patients per day, we're still below our average, uh, say, two years ago uh, for this time of year. What was the average two years ago? I'm sorry, if you, uh, if you recall. We're probably about 10% short, uh, mm -hmm. 90. Uh, uh, Mr. Jackson will recall that, that at one point in July uh, 2016, we had, you know, we were seeing volumes as high as 100 and 120. Uh, so mm -hmm. the hope is that we can get back there at some point. Uh, 90 is, is a number to celebrate, but it is still where, what we can handle. Thank you very much. Trustee Banerjee. Yeah. Um, thanks for your update, Dr. Afsali. Uh, two questions. One is um, the medical transfers that you said uh, had to happen. Are there for some of those? I know that they, these have been like ongoing conversations about coverage, subspecialties, specialty. Um, are there some uh, things in the immediate that you see could um, help mitigate those, even as you're working through the long longer arc? Uh, some, some. Uh, this is probably the minority. I would say the majority is because of uh, lack of uh, specialty coverage, uh, such as neurology, uh, and uh, neurosurgery has been a big player uh, recently. Though and that tends to be a hit or miss. Um, occasionally, it's uh, inpatient staffing, uh, such as admissions to the floor, uh, either ICU transfers because we don't have. Uh, whether the beds or uh, nursing staff to care for those patients. So we transfer them uh, to our uh, to the other sites. Uh, but I'd say the over overwhelming majority is, is uh, consultants. I see. Well, um, you know, if our communities need those, I hope that this, um, there'll be like a really concerted effort to kind of think about like access and coverage 
at these sites. Um, the other thing was that I know, James, uh, when you were CAO of San Leandro Hospital, you'd work very closely with the EMT to make sure that, uh, I mean, there was inpatient volume that was driven from the ED, but like when folks came from uh, directly to to our acute setting too at some um, um, time and to be able to inform and educate um, the EMT to be bringing folks within the county or within, uh, um, you know, the closest uh, to our system. And I know that that had kind of fallen off with your departure. I hope something like that could be done too so that, um, you know, people know that there's first class uh, high quality medical uh, care available here. Yes. If I may, can Kenny, and thank you very much um, for, for bringing that up. And very quickly, what we did early in my tenure there was we essentially rebranded the ED at San Leandro and we went to the EMT, to the Paramedics Plus providers and gave them a comprehensive list of the services that were available at San Leandro. We also did what's called a heat map and we looked at where calls that were originating around the hospital were going. And it became clear to us that business that frankly should have been coming to San Leandro was was going elsewhere, whether it was Eden or Kaiser or what have you. And we, we pointed that out to them and made sure they understood that we in fact could and by rights should be um, managing those patients. We also issued a 30-minute door-to-provider promise at San Leandro, and we went public with that and did some branding around that with the help of the PACE team. And so those were a lot of the things that led to some of the increases that Dr. Afzali was just referring to. Um, we were at one point averaging about 95 to 100 patients a day. Um, I don't think that that is something that I believe it could happen again. And um, I've also talked about the prospect of doing something similar in Alameda. So um, that is um, in the offing, but I appreciate you um, bringing that up and um, I'm more than happy to pursue that for both facilities. Thank you, Mr. Jackson. Thank you, Trustee Bannerty. Any other trustee comments for Dr. Afzali? So Dr. Afzali, what I, what I think I heard was uh, your three tracking, if you will, or areas of uh, interest are ED volumes are up, but there's not a commensurate increase in inpatient volume. Number two, uh, 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 there's hope for expansion of services. You talked about neurosurgery. And third, uh, point of care ultrasound, or we call it POCUS, uh, looks like it might have its uh, birth, if you will, at uh, San Leandro Hospital sometime soon. Is that correct? That is correct. It's currently uh, active and, and going at, at Highland, not at the community sites, uh, okay. but hopefully within the next month or two. And, 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 and not to jump into Dr. Pyun's uh, uh, area here, but you you are an ED provider at both Alameda Hospital and San Leandro Hospital, correct? Correct. Is that POCUS, which is specific to the ER, is this going to be a similar launch at Alameda Hospital? It is. Oh, excellent. Okay. Yeah. Thank it, you for your report. A concurrent, la a concurrent la launch at both sites. So once it's active at San Leandro, it'll be active at Alameda. So POCUS will now be available at all three of our emergency departments shortly. Correct. Wonderful. Thank you for your report, Dr. Afzali. Of course, thank you. Dr. Pyun, Dr. Kathy Pyun is our chief of the medical staff at Alameda Hospital. Good evening, Dr. Pyun. Hi, thank you uh, for letting me have the floor. Uh, again, just we do credentialing and the privileges were uh, completely, we, uh, we had the activity uh, reviewed and reported and, 
in the in QPSC. Uh, we also uh, approved uh, multiple uh, consent agenda items, including critical care, cardiovascular, hemonc, and neurosurgery and orthopedic spine multifacility. Um, as far as uh, you know, my key concerns. Um, typically, uh, you know, I've been saying this over and over again: is the transfer process. I've been keeping a you know uh, a little pulse on this because you know it's always it's always been an issue you know but lately it's been smoother than usual you know I haven't heard of any real problems lately and I think there are always an occasional difficult one but uh, lately it's been good we've been uh, re-emphasizing to all the hospitalists to use the transfer center for every transfer sometimes. Uh, physicians might take it upon themselves to do everything. They think they're taking care of everything, but they're just talking to the doctors involved, and they're not really. There's a lot more than just the doctors involved with transfers. There's, uh, you know, um, there's nurses. There's, uh, you know, OR space. There's, you know, getting things ready for uh, cardiac cath, etc., and transport. So, um, you know, we're uh, we're working through with the physicians on that, and um, so far things have been looking good uh, in in that area. Um, um, one other thing that had come up in a recent um, discussion among the hospitalists and uh, and also the ED is that you know there used to be an ability to you know use e-consult, which was basically taking going to Epic and being able to order a subspecialty consult, and um, they kind of took that away. So that's been an issue a little bit. We we now there we're, there's talk that we have to refer these patients to a primary care physician, which we can do. There is a poss- there's a way of doing that in Epic. So that's good, um, and you know, I just I'm, I'm work I've been working with Dr. Tian uh, David Tian, who's the chief of primary care, in hopes that we can forge a better relationship between um, the hospitalists and the PCPs at the at the high, at the various kind of clinics, make it easier for us to, to communicate. And um, if we want that PCP to you know ha- you know check on a lab or to you know make a specific subspecialty. Uh, referral, we want to be able to do that very easily, and we, and we can do that through uh, through Epic, but we have to know who that is. Sometimes patients are not um, all that clear who they're seeing, and it's not always clear in Epic who they're seeing. So we're, we're working on that, and uh, we would uh, we would love to have some sort of a situation where we can directly somehow call, let's say, Hemonk, and say, "Look, I know you're, you're not coming to our campus, but we have someone with cancer. We'd love for you to be able to call you, leave you a message on some." line and, and make sure that this patient gets some sort of call for a clinic follow-up uh, for hemonc because that one that one you know if the thing is at highland all these subspecialists go to highland and they see the patients and they can book their own appointments but many of the subspecialists like as, as, for example hemonc neurosurgery trauma whatever there's they don't they don't come to our campus so they we can't just you know Jump, you know, just send patients to people to to, to the to, to the physicians and those subspecialties without um, because they don't come here and they don't they can't put in a, a referral for us. So it you know we're, we're, we would like to see more um, you know access to outpatient um, subspecialty for our patients. Um, it's always a, you know it's always interesting because some of the patients are private and when they're private it's much easier. I can just call the primary care physician and and, and ask them to do the work. Um, but you know, but for the patients that are truly county patients and are in the county system, it, it can be. It's a little. There's a little bit of a disconnect because of, uh, because you know, we, we used to be we used to be separate from a very di- a different system. So we need to do a better job integrating everything. So um, 
that's basically my report. Uh, if there's any questions, please let me know. Trustees, any questions of Dr. Pian with regard to a report? Going around, not seeing any hands. So Dr. Pian, I, I heard from, your, your, from what I think I heard, uh, your two areas of, uh, of highlight were one, the transfer center. Um, I'll make a commentary that uh, Dr. Uh, Tornabene and I were discussing this as we were planning some QPSC. As you know, you attend QPSC and one of the standing agenda items are quality improvement projects. Uh, tra the transfer center will be discussed forthcoming in the next one or two months and really looking at the data and the state of where it is versus where it was. So that'll be a follow-up and uh, I, I hope that will be a, a presentation you'll like to hear. And then the second thing I heard from you is uh, the, you, you talked about navigating outpatient follow-up post-discharge and some of the challenges uh, with that. It's my understanding that, that um, uh, in the new EPIC upgrade that, that uh, primary care doctors, if within the system, might be notified if their patients are hospitalized. Dr. Jamaladeen's in the room and Dr. I don't see Dr. Tornabeni. Dr. Jamaladeen, am I making that up or what? Is that something that is forthcoming? An automated notification of, uh, of Alameda Health System primary care doctors if their patient is hospitalized? Does that sound familiar? Uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, also, just adding to this, uh, Dr. Irina Williams is the lead for specialty for ambulatory care and she's working on this, uh, on this problem. The specialists like to be uh, consulted prior to the patients leaving the hospital, so they will uh, guide the follow-up. So uh, I know that uh, Dr. Williams is working on this and can shed a little bit more light on that issue. Thank you, Dr. Jay. Dr. Williams, a few comments? Yes, so um, I think some of the concerns with the previous use of a consult and why it was taken away, as Dr. Pune mentioned, was that a lot of times those um, uh, the, the referrals, uh, it was, it, a consult is meant to have a bi-directional communication between providers or services or groups. And that wasn't quite possible when it, it was used by the ED providers because um, they're not necessarily following up on some of the things that needed to be followed up past discharging the patient from the ED. So that was part of the reason why that workflow needed to be changed so that the specialist could close the loop with the referring provider. But we are essentially trying to really understand the barriers at the current state. And I wanted to specifically recognize that uh, we see that the barriers may be different at Highland versus Alameda versus San Leandro. And we really want to take that into consideration when we figure out the next steps. And that's why... Um, you know, one of the work groups that I will be leading will be um, uh, focusing on really hearing the voice from all the sites within AHS and all the locations so we can really fine tune our process and make sure that we're addressing the needs of our patients. And that may vary across different sites within AHS. Thank you for that follow up, Dr. Williams. Um, any other questions of Dr. Pion from Alameda Hospital? Barring none, thank you to our med staff leaders as always. We will close out item C, uh, medical staff reports, and we'll go into item D, committee reports. We have D1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Just as a reminder for the committees, we have a standing roster included in the packet of trustees by committee and committee by trustees. We very much look forward to adding Dr. to Mr. Mr. Friedman to many of these committees. 
Uh, I think Trustee Dong volunteered him for all committees is my understanding. Um, so good luck, Mr. Friedman. <laughs> so uh, let's open up with uh, uh, the committee chair for human resources, Trustee Blue from the April 21st, 2021 HR committee. Uh, Madam Chair. Hi, thank you. So I just wanna inform everybody that we do have an interim um, HR director, Lorna Jones. I'm not sure if everybody has had a chance to meet her yet, but we should welcome her uh, to this um, as our interim director for HR. And I also wanna thank uh, Tracy Jensen who has served as chair of the HR committee and thank goodness she's still on the committee so that she can continue to coach me and mentor me and just point out um, items that I may not be familiar with. So we had our first, my first meeting was on January the 20th. We received a report from Dr. Swift on the uh, staff COVID vaccination program. We have about a little over 5,000 employees at AHS and a total of 3,200 plus staff have been vaccinated as of January 20th. I'm sure that has gone up. And in terms of the second dose, we had almost 1,700 um, of, our, of our, not our patients, but of our uh, employees uh, vaccinated. There were 420 employees had communicated that did they did not want uh, the vaccine, but we're gonna look more into the details of what the refusal was. We know that it's based either on medical or religious um, issues, but we're gonna get specific um, details on that as we look at the data. Also, uh, HR will be working on uh, communication strategies to help increase the vaccination rate amongst our employees. And then also we have to continue to be um, vigilant and making sure that we continue to protect our patients and our staff from any exposure to COVID, but also other infectious disease like flus, right? We um, are going into that uh, flu season pretty soon. And then there's variants out there. So we have to be ever vigilant to make sure that we also um, make that protection. Uh, in terms of HR, and I'm looking at the workforce as one of our pillars, uh, because Lorna is new and I'm new, we're going to have to dig in a little bit deeper to take a look at the data. But I just want to share a little bit of information, and I think it's in the packet if people want to read it more. But we do have an HR dash, uh, dashboard, and we're taking a look at, one, the time to onboard, uh, new employees, it's taken way too long from my understanding. We're trying to target uh, 19 days, which would be way down from 32 days to onboard new employees. Uh, we're also looking at worker compensation loss days. Uh, our target is to have an average of 1.83 days of, uh, per employee. So we're taking a look at that, which means that we really have to take a look at making sure that there's safety for our employees so that they don't get hurt on the job. Uh, we are also looking at the number of uh, workers comp 
injuries. What we've seen is there is an increase, but it has been due to COVID exposures. So uh, the HR department is launching a 30, 60, 90 day employee survey to follow up on our onboarding for our new employees within their own departments. In terms of separations, we are reviewing that data, but we have to go deeper into the exit interviews that are being conducted. So we get a real sense of why people are leaving. Uh, the top reason so far has been resignations. Um, the number of nursing separations, uh, that's a big number of our employees that are leaving are within the nursing classifications. And the top reason there is resignations. Um, we are working with the Work Institute. They've been with the agency now since 2016, and they conduct the exit interviews. We only have 50% of people leaving uh, AHS uh, participating in those exit interviews. The Work Institute calls them up six times to try to get them to you know, participate in the exit interviews. Um, and so we're going to take a look closer at that because there's something, there must be something about the exit interviews that uh, isn't um, working as well. And we do want to hear from folks in terms of why they're uh, leaving us besides the resignations. Uh, we've identified uh, the top 18 departments with the highest number of separation and then turnover uh, from Fiscal year July 2020 to March of 2021, 568 employees have left. The top job titles that are leaving us are clinical nurse twos, Alameda staff nurses, nurse assistants, San Leandro RN twos, housekeeping, and then ambulatory medical assistants. Those are the top job titles where we're seeing people leave. And I don't know, Lorna, do you have anything to add to that? Thank you, Trustee Blue. The only thing I would add is that with the exit interview process, we are adding a mobile app so that people can take the exit interview from their phone, which we think will increase the response rate. People have any questions? Committee members, do you have anything to add? No, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you for thank you for your report. We'll close item D one. We'll go to item D two, uh, the QPSC report. Um, I'll try to keep this efficient. Uh, as the chair of the QPSC, we always open up with an article. The article uh, on April twenty eighth was maximizing the effectiveness of the board's quality committee, leading practices and lessons learned. I've said it before. I think it should be considered a white paper uh, for for anyone uh, who does quality work. And uh, I'll just uh, put one quote that I gave in uh, at the top of that uh, presentation from the, from the article. Studies show that hospitals that perform well on quality tend to have strong committed boards with well-informed skilled board members who make quality a priority, set clear and measurable goals for improvement, and demand action when the organization fails to meet those goals. The Affordable Care Act moreover requires hospital boards to take an active role in ensuring that both quality and efficiency are improved. That's our charge, not only as a board, but of course, the quality committee. After that, we did our standard work of credentialing, 
uh, approving policies and procedures, hearing from our Chief Quality Officer, Dr. Kanvir Hussein, on issues of, of compliance and regulatory and quality items. And uh, at that point, he was giving us the news about um, uh, our Joint Commission evaluation, which was now, we know, very successful. Um, one of the things that I'm most proud of for the, uh, for the new updated QPSC agenda was born out of a discussion with Dr. Jamaluddin and Dr. Tornabene and Dr. Hussein. Uh, this was the second month in a row where we, uh, uh, and it's a standing agenda item, where we talked about quality improvement projects. Uh, the quality improvement uh, project uh, this month was, per, or, or in April, was performed uh, by, well, given by Dr. Natalie Curtis. She is a primary care physician here, a very good one, and she uh, led a presentation on asthma management. And, and uh, she talked about how support staff for asthma management can help us meet many of the achievables which help us from a financial perspective in terms of quality improvement uh, payments and the like. And it was, uh, it was a compelling um, a presentation which sometimes shows that easy interventions can, can get us uh, a lot of success. I, I ask all the trustees to consider looking at that report. So that was, uh, uh, I'll close uh, my report on the QPSC and happy to entertain any questions. Barring none, we're about to enter into item D3. At the top of the meeting, I reminded everybody that uh, public commentary for non-agendized items comes at the top, but the public can also make comment on agendized items. I've been informed, um, uh, Madam Clerk, that there are two um, public comments for item David 3, the uh, Governance Ad Hoc Committee. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. And I have the names. Thank you for forwarding. So um, we have two speakers, uh, three minutes each, if you don't mind. I'll name you and then we'll get you set up. Uh, first is Loretta Medellin, uh, co-applicant board chair. And then we're going to hear from Mark Smith, uh, also from the co, uh, who's a board member of, uh, uh, of the co-applicant board. Um, uh, good evening uh, to both of you. Uh, we'll do three minutes on the clock. Um, Madam Clerk, if you'll give them a 30-second warning to help them out, uh, could you please, ma'am? Absolutely. Okay, uh, Ms. Medellin, are you, I see you here. Are you available yes. for us? Yes, yes, I am. Thank you very much. Good evening. Um, I am going to read a memo that um, is on the subject of guiding principles in governance. The Homeless Health Co-Applicant Board is a nine-member majority consumer board that shares governing authority with the Board of Trustees over the homeless health care, a portion of Alameda Health System defined by agreement with Alameda County and roughly equivalent in scope to ambulatory services. The roles and responsibilities of the CAB and the relationship between the Board of Trustees and the CAB are described in the co-applicant agreement between the two governing bodies. The CAB was established in 2019 and as a relatively new group, many of our functions are still in development. Our project director, Dr. Damon Francis, began his role in 2020 at around the same time the COVID shelter-in-place order was issued. We have appreciated the engagement of executive leaders at CAB meetings, including regular attendance at our meetings by Katherine Horner, currently the Interim Chief Ambulatory Officer, and recent discussions with Dr. Paula Barbaria before her departure, as well as James Jackson and Dr. Ghassan Jamaluddin. 
We've also appreciated that the newly seated Board of Trustees invited Dr. Francis to make a presentation on the Homeless Health Center at one of the very first meetings. We do have some concerns that the county-led process to explore changes to governance and oversight for Alameda Health System has not formally consulted our CAB. We believe that in the creation of the ad hoc governance task force provides an opportunity to consider the CAB's role in governance as part of the process. And our CAB has selected two of us, myself and another um, CAB member, Mark Smith, to serve as liaisons to the ad hoc governance task force to support these efforts. The CAB requests that the task force consider the following strategies and principles to strengthen collaborative governance of the homeless health care by the Board of Trustees and CAB and to strengthen the overall voice of consumers in governance at Alameda Health System. Uh, the first thing is establish mechanisms for active review and input by the CAB during the, thank you, during the development um, of proposals that require approval from both the Board of Trustees and the CAB, including programs, policies, operational budgets, and capital budgets. Create formal process of bi-directional and regular communication between CAB and the Board of Trustees, and create systems for the Board of Trustees and CAB to receive input and feedback from established patient and consumer groups that formally advise ambulatory <clears throat> programs and services. Um, we look forward to I'm joining sorry. you in okay shall i finish my last sentence yeah, of course finish please thank you we look forward to joining you in upcoming meetings of the task force and to continuing to work together in pursuit of our shared mission of caring healing teaching and serving all thank you thank you miss medellin um mr smith good evening Mr. Smith, you're probably in the room. Mr. Smith, I'm scanning the room. Does anyone else see Mr. Smith? I do not. He's Hi, usually Heather. caller one. Hi, thank you so much. He has of only course. phone access and I'm noticing caller one is usually how he is with us and I see that it's muted and I'm wondering if you could just unmute him that might help. I don't know if he has to do it himself. Call in user one. Yes. Um, uh, council, there. Uh, call in. I just. Can you can, can you hear me? Yeah, oh, hello, hello. Good evening, Mr. Smith. Oh, good evening. I'm sorry. Um, no I'm sorry about that. Um, anyway, um, yes. Um, just to um, uh, just to reflect some um, things that my colleague said. Uh, I just want to say um, basically give three points um our board our board or at least how i say our board is that we give voice to the patients uh that the program serves and that more importantly um through us they get to decide having a voice they get to decide what kind of care they receive and how the program is run and if I understand correctly, um, this hospital has has adopted um, what could be called a community health center uh, model. And under that model, as I understand, um, patients do have a, a right um, and a say as to how um, 
um, what kind of care they receive and, and, and the way the program is run that serves them best. Uh, right now, uh, right now, patients have that ability um, through the co-applicant board that I currently sit on um, that governs uh, their health care and that they have input on how the program is run through our board. Um, I understand that um, that HMA did conduct a study that uh, interviewed stakeholders, of which I believe we are we are one of them. However, we weren't uh, we were not interviewed. Uh, but I hope that uh, going forward, that the trustees, uh, or I would say the board of supervisors, would consider us to be an integral part of governance going forward so that we can continue to be voices uh, for, the, for the patients that uh, AHS serves. Um, and I, I guess that's about it, yes. Thank you, Mr. Smith. Trustees, thank you for, uh, uh, for, for receiving that uh, public comment. Thank you for our public for commenting and being engaged. So we will now move into item D3, the governance ad hoc committee, which is led by the good trustee Dong. Chair Dong. Thank you, thank you, Chair Paquette. Um, I wanna thank, thank uh, Mr. Smith and Ms. Meta for their public comments. And I will, just as a general reminder to everyone, we're on this journey with the Board of Supervisors. The path we have created for ourselves is through the Governance Ad Hoc Committee We've been afforded a partnership with the county, but the decision is not our own. The decision for regarding governance began and ends with the Board of Supervisors, as many of you know. So I would welcome public comment from the, uh, uh, from the CAB, Mr. Smith, Ms. Medellin, at the next board meeting, when uh, I believe Supervisor Chan will be coming to our trustees meeting, our next one in June, to provide uh, next steps uh, re related to governance. Last meeting for the government uh, governance um, meeting, we had HMA present results of the stakeholder interviews. The Board of Supervisors selected the individuals that were interviewed. And I think we saw that there weren't a lot of surprises um, from the stakeholder interviews. Some of them were conduct conducted prior to our um appointments so i don't think there were a lot of surprises i think we've also discussed uh, assembly bill 924 uh was authored by assembly member bonta who's now our attorney general and now being transferred to assembly member wicks um that legislation is sponsored um by the uh, alameda county and requested by the board of supervisors and all publicly approved in, in a public open process um, in case there are uh, needs and changes to our the statute our enabling statute for ahs if there are changes that come about from the hma study um, that require uh, changes in our enabling statute uh, it's in spot form i haven't seen it lately but it will probably change as results occur from the outcome of the HMA study. 
Now, I do believe Supervisor Chan will present more information at our next meeting on June Board of Trustees. So I encourage those that wish to have uh, uh, input to come to that meeting and provide their perspective on the process. And I do believe it will go to ultimately to the Health Committee for Dialogue, which is a public process of the Board of Supervisors, as well as the entire Board of Supervisors. And I'm hoping that we are, um, are all included in the information and the outcome of the HMA study as it relates to our governance. And I'd be glad to take any questions from the trustees. Thank you. Thank you, Chair Dong. Trustees, any questions for uh, Chair Dong from the Ad Hoc Governance Committee? Thank you for that report. We'll close out item D3. We'll go to item D4, the Finance Committee. Um, Charistine. Thank you very much. Uh, the Finance Committee met and uh, in the model of Chair Bouquet, I've started to open with a quote. Uh, this one actually two quotes from Audrey Lord, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. The house being referenced as the house of AHS, which we will not be dismantling, but instead rebuilding better than we found it. And as we've heard from many reports tonight, the work is well underway. I'm proud of the work that is happening right now and the improvements being made. Uh, the second quote was that in the first century, Cicero said, freedom is participation in power, specifying uh, from my reading, freedom with, not freedom over. And this is stated as encouragement to trustees and members of our listening audience to offer feedback generously, as well as to make requests for education when the need becomes evident as we just heard in public comment regarding our governance process. Um, we're gonna hear from our CFO shortly uh, in a later agenda item. So I'll give some highlights about our budget. Our clinic visits are ahead of budget, um, which is exciting. Um, and that is because of our return to some elective cases and inpatient surgeries. Um, we heard about changes at San Leandro Hospital that there are more volume in the ER but that is not transmitted into inpatient. So it's uh, site by site, but overall we are seeing improvements. Um, there have been some negative impacts to the budget due to the joyous closing of the contracts for both CNA uh, in March. And then we'll see in the April report, SEIU. Um, we have really good improvements for our accounts receivable um, compared between 2021 and 2019, our year-to-date uh, billing is at 98% of the same period from a couple years ago, even while taking COVID volumes into account. So we are seeing a lot of bounce back in our volumes and account receivable. Um, we do have uh, net negative balance, worst case scenario presentation was given. Uh, which was a quite riveting presentation about IGTs and waiver repayments that could potentially overlap. Uh, that could cause us to lose the county capital designation reimbursement of $7 million for fiscal years 19 and 20 for EPIC related expenses. Um, but I think that our CFO is able to negotiate that away with the county and we will hopefully hear about that tonight or else at our next uh, finance committee meeting. Uh, we heard about our post-acute service, which is doing well and had uh, 
a car for accreditation success. They achieved the highest rating for three years. Um, we were able to close our COVID quarantine unit in April after hitting peaks throughout the winter. And uh, the quarantine unit had been solving for community-wide need, which was really wonderful. Uh, we also heard about our Sapphire revenue cycle from Terry Manifesto. Uh, we may have another presentation on that later in the agenda. Um, we heard that Epic replaced 14 legacy systems and July 2021, we'll start to see denial reviews taking place with an educational plan targeting billers and documenters. There are many positive impacts seen by Epic and some of that is performance improvements for accounts receivable being under, nine, under 60 days. Um, in hospital billing, it's 58.9 days on average and in professional billing, 39.4. So there's great improvements there. And that is the end of my report. If there are any questions, I'll take them now. Thank you, Chair Esteen. Any questions for the chair of our finance committee? Yes, Kim Miranda is on and, and I am happy to answer questions as well. And my written report is attached. So if there are any questions, I think between me and Jennifer, we'll be happy to answer them. Excellent. So uh, Chair Esteen, Chair uh, just as a point of uh, clarification, uh, the agenda item that had uh, was projected, uh, which was to be F2 to discuss about budget that was pulled. Uh, uh, the, the, our CFO felt there wasn't an update uh, since the fi interim finance committee. But of course we can use this space or the written report space to have any clarifying questions uh, uh, if, if there are any of our CFO or our, or our finance chair. So trustees, and that includes you, Madam Chair, you can ask questions using this space as well. Barring none, we will close out um, uh, item uh, D4 and we will go to item D5. The interim CEO uh, recruitment and onboarding committee chaired by the good uh, trustee Banerjee. Um, hi, trustee Banerjee. Thank you, Chair Brookett. And I had uh, kind of mentioned this in the last um, full board meeting as well, but just a very quick recap. So as you know, we had appointed the board, appointed our interim CEO in January, and um, um, he had a um, three-month um, a, a contract with an uh, renewal uh, by another six months. And uh, we wanted to have a process, inclusive process of really getting input from both our internal stakeholders and our key external stakeholders, A, on how do we think um, our um, organization is doing, our leadership is doing, our leadership the CEO and our leadership team is doing, but also understanding that so early in his tenure, it would not be possible for every single stakeholder group that, and we, it was an intensive um, representative sample of our stakeholder group that many might not be able to assess um, Mr. Jackson fully, uh, but we left a lot of space for folks to be giving input about what do you want in leadership? What do you see our priorities over our shared um, mission and shared goals? So we were thrilled to get over 123, I think 123 yeah. in that time and both from internal stakeholders and external stakeholders. And uh, we, um, as as well as from our board, and we were, uh, you know, thrilled to get um, 
just such a palpably positive um, um, input. And while it was like some of it was expected because uh, with any change that happens, but there was also a lot of really great qualitative data that we got with instances about like how uh, tangible some of the improvements are what uh, and also a lot of ideas so our board was um, unanimously um, uh, had the pleasure of uh, unanimously supporting Mr. Jackson's contract um, and so we are very thrilled um, that you will be uh, with us for another uh, six months in this interim position and um, any questions Trustees, any questions? There was a press release associated with that, and uh, we can maybe add that to the packet. I think all the trustees were included on that. So, yeah, a unanimous support for our for our interim CEO uh, to con continue on in the uh, uh, for for support for his automatic renewal of the interim contract, which is a six month contract. And uh, any other comments, Trustee Banerjee? No, that's it from me. Yeah. Thank you. And 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 it's and it's on this. Uh, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. So, uh, Trustee Banerjee, uh, as we start to move in the next phase of the permanent CEO selection process, um, uh, I think Trustee Banerjee is particularly well poised as we have these discussions to about the launch of that. Um, trustees, any other comments? Excellent. Well, that will close uh, item D5. That closes out committee reports. We will now move to the consent agenda items, uh, which are E1, minutes, E2, policies and procedures. There are six of them. E3, which is a resolution uh, approving uh, our county's uh, behavioral health care services agency contract signature authorization form. Wow, that's a mouthful. And last, uh, E4 is approval of contracts. There are two contracts presented by our chief operating officer. So before uh, uh, entertaining a motion to approve the entirety of the consent agenda, do we have any items that need to be removed for discussion? I Trustee Banerjee. Yeah, I request that item E3 be removed, uh, which is the contract for behavioral health. Um, contract uh, signature authorization form. Signature authorization. I think we just wanted to confirm we might be missing one leader. We don't have the leader of the behavioral health inpatient. And I wanted to know that if that was an omission. Um, yes, ma'am. So how, how about um, uh, uh, Trustee Banerjee, would I, could I entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda item withholding E3 for discussion and consideration of, 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 of approval? Could I entertain a motion from you? I move that we um, um, we approve the others accepting and pull E3, yes. For discussion. Do I have a second? I can second that, Taft. Roll call, please. Yes, Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee mm -hmm. Dung. Aye. Trustee Esteem. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Aye. Trustee Splendoria. Yes, aye. The motion passes. 
Thank you. So let, let, let the record show uh, there was uh, approval of items Echo 1, Echo 2, Echo 4. Uh, and I'll put it back to Trustee Banerjee on uh, items, uh, uh, agenda item E3. Clarification around the points you discussed. I apologize, I, I missed this. Um, so if you could give us further clarification and um, uh, I, I presume council owns owns this uh, form. Council, is that correct? Well, I think that's with uh, Sandra Wellington and uh, maybe uh, Kim but uh, I'm happy to take any questions. Maybe I can take a stab at the end. Trustee Banerjee, can you pose your question one more time? Sure, sure. on page 97, um, where you have the uh, list of authorizations for the signature, you see James Jackson um, as an, for authorizing um, Kim Miranda and Dr. Karen Weiss. And I was uh, wondering if our uh, behavioral care leader from the internal, um, uh, not the outpatient, but um, um, the acute care, Dr. Tanuj would also need to be an authorizing um, factor in, the, in, in this list or not. So that was just a clarification question. Mr. Jackson, sir. Do you yes. have a position on this? Actually, um, it would stand, it would seem to make sense that um, the inpatient leaders should be party to this. And so um, I'm happy to have this um, pulled and we can do the research to get clarification on that. So yes. I, I think we internally have our processes, but I think for the signature authority there, it's more of a county level that they wanted. Uh, and so we're, we're approving this because this is a, a county document. Um, Ahmad, you can maybe expand on that. But internally, I, you know, we would never sign anything without going through the appropriate internal people. So I guess I'm 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 stuck. Should we make the form like we uh, are we approving a form like we want it, or do we need to? So yeah, I think, I think we need to approve it because it could cause problems in the processing of of uh, agreements with the county. Um, so. So is is yeah. Uh, so so, uh, so what Kim was saying yes, is that we have a signature authority policy uh, yeah. internally, and that this is uh, really for our county uh, uh, counterparts. Uh, uh, we so, could uh, we could amend the motion uh, to include uh, Trustee Banerjee's uh, point and still move it forward. Another option, if I may, because yes, what I understood yes, from trustee Banerjee was that you've got the outpatient behavioral health leader signing this, but you don't have the inpatient behavioral health leader signing it in addition to the CEO and the CFO. And so I understood the question to be, why would you have the outpatient leader signing it and not include the inpatient leader? Is that correct, uh, trustee Banerjee? Yeah, and I just, I did not know the nature of it. So it might be possible that he doesn't, but I just assume that if it's behavioral health along the continuum, there might be decisions that the inpatient leader, that, that it was like, it, it was documented who, uh, that yeah. have the authority. Tr Trustee Bouquet, one, yes, one, option, one option would be for myself, since I oversee both inpatient and outpatient operations, um, at John George, one option is to substitute me in there until we get clar more clarity. Yes. 
and 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 at least this uh, uh, gets this across the finish line, and it it doesn't deter us from doing subsequent revisions, right? No, I mean if, if they're needed to be. I, I'm just I, I want to be attentive to our CFO who I think has yeah. highlighted a potential exposure if we don't get some type of form. Is that correct, Council? Is that your interpretation? Um, so I, I think uh, what Kim was saying is that we need to get it uh, done ASAP. That yeah. there may be a lapse in yeah. uh, the processing of this document. Yes, but the changes in leadership, we're a little behind on this, and I am concerned that we there may be a gap. Uh, but I think internally we can make sure that everybody's aligned. I, I, I think it's appropriate to consider our chief operating officer as 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 a placeholder might be the wrong word because he should probably be aware of all these things anyways. And I just want to, before we potentially entertain a motion to approve this with the addition of the COO, possibly, I just wanted us to have the debate or and dialogue. Does anyone see any impediments or, or concerns from a compliance and regulatory point of view or a principal point of view? Trustee Dong, any concerns with that? Trustee Banerjee? No concerns if we could do this. Yeah. Okay, so perhaps I'll, I'd be happy to entertain a motion to approve this form with the addition of our chief operating officer's information to be included here. Would that be an acceptable motion to receive, Council? Yes. Can someone say it besides me? <laughs> no moved. Second. Okay, okay got it. <laughs> uh, Council, does that count? That works. Okay, uh, uh, roll call, please. So to be clear, we're so adding just, Mr. Rossi to the signature sure so we can go ahead and sign contracts. Did I, I, I want to make sure I didn't miss anything because we do need to do this every year. And I want to make sure that we can sign the uh, agreements that are currently we're working on. The, 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 the motion on the table, uh, uh, Ms. Miranda, is to uh, approve this form with the addition of our chief operating officer to this form. So there will be four names. And if we have a problem with the county doing that, we don't want to delay it. So I have no objection to that at all. It's just administratively, okay. we may need to sign a contract in the matter of days. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I did not have that kind of gatekeeping. So hopefully yeah. this is a partnership in the spirit of it that we will, um, you know, not to hold up anything, but that that, that it be amended um, and um as soon as possible, but yeah, not to uh, um, not to put a break on the agreement. Yeah. So, so, so it's yeah, an yeah. annual agreement. Can we maybe amend it to say for next year, and then tell the county to uh, or ask the county to make a change to it, so that we can still sign agreements under the current arrangement? Why can't we add the name to it next week? I mean, I just or tonight. Why do we have to wait for next year to come roll around? Well, the document comes from the county, so it has to be reprocessed, and so we're working. You know, like, I don't know what the timing they would have to turn it around. Um, I think we can certainly make Mark aware of it. So he's on the call here now. I just don't want to hold up. Mm -hmm. A signing an agreement, especially since we're so close to the end of the fiscal year for our behavioral health FY21 rates. Can I can I make a, yeah. a, a different motion here? 
Yes, uh, can I make a motion that we approve the form as presented to the board? We also, and I also move that we uh, approve a form that adds uh, our C interim COO as a signator uh, as long as quickly as uh, our CFO can process that with the county. How's that? We cover both of them. Well, that, 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 that's a darn good one, trustee. Um, um, I see a council shaking his head. I'd like to see a CEO and a COO shaking a head. Okay, I got one shake. I got well, a shake and a smile. Madam CFO, does that seem acceptable? Yes, thank you very much. No, thank Trustee Splendorio. Um, um, I think, did we get a second on that, Council? Second. Okay, uh, roll call, please. Okay, so the motion is to approve the form as is for now. And um, as soon as humanly possible, amend the form to include our Chief Operating Officer. Thank you. I just want to make sure I have it right for the minutes. Yes, ma'am. Um, all right, roll call. Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Dong. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Yes. Trustee Splendorio. Aye. The motion passes. Thank you. Good job, team, on a piece of contracting paper. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so with that, we will close out item E and we will go into item F. We previously had two items here. Um, uh, item F2 is going to be a discussion of budget, but that was pulled as we discussed before. So we have one item left on the agenda. Uh, we have Dr. Chitra Achillesporan who is uh, an obstetrician gynecologist in our system, and she's also our newly appointed uh, president of the East Bay Medical Group. And uh, we're here to hear from her and make an action. And I want to introduce uh, Dr. Achilles Warren and give her the floor. Good evening, Dr. Achilles Warren. Good evening. Good evening, trustees and uh, listening audience. Um, thank you for allowing me to address you again. Um, I am here. I'm just going to share my screen. I do apologize that these are not in your board packet, but we'll add them. As they soon are as in the board packet. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. Uh, there's something in the board packet. Dr. Right. There should be memos. Um, I do have some slides if that's helpful for visuals. Um, I'm that not would be. Thank you. Um, can the host allow screen sharing for me? Council is easy do you, uh, for Dr. Achilles Horn. Thank you, sir. I suppose as we get started, I just want to extend the continued appreciations that we're hearing today, tonight. Um, there's been incredible efforts to ensure that our patients at San Leandro and Alameda hospitals have access to consistent quality of care and services that we receive at Highland. And um, I just want to thank Drs. Jamaluddin and Tornabene for sponsoring these efforts and supporting them, as well as Drs. Williams, Afzali, Joshi, and many others who are totally at the table and, and really willing to kind of work together on this. So really, really happy to be partnering with our colleagues across the system to really develop one system um, as we move forward. We, does she, uh, Ahmad, there we go. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, great. 
Um, so we are, of course, a very new organization, as I mentioned at the Board of Trustees retreat a couple of weeks ago, um, and therefore our governance structure is also being formulated um, as as time moves. So um, organization started last July, July 1st, 2020, with a transitional board um, of about seven members, and we have just recently elected four new directors um, to make a total of 11 directors, which is what our bylaws dictate. So um, we are here today to seek approval as this board, the board of, um, uh, of East Bay Medical Group actually reports up to you as the board of trustees. Um, so uh, wanted to um, seek your approval around the election of these four additional uh, directors of our board and really describe kind of what the composition of this board is as well as um, some of the asks that we're making. So um, essentially our bylaws prescribe that the total board composition um, consists of the following. We have five interested directors who are members of East Bay Medical Group or physicians within the group. Um, three community directors, two ex officio directors who are um, uh, executives at Alameda Health System, and one designated director who is actually um, a slot that is reserved for you all um, to designate a member um, by July 1st. Each of our directors serves three-year terms with the exception of our um, ex officio directors who can continue on uh, with no more than three consecutive terms. And so we had a partial um, board start starting last July uh, with the conception of um, East Bay Medical Group with three interested directors, um, one community director, uh, actually two, one who resigned recently and two ex officio directors. And so I'll just flash who is currently on our board so we're all clear. Uh, Dr. Jamaluddin is our president. Um, Dr. Uh, Mr. Fratsky is also on our board. Um, Drs. Hearn, Ng, Nelson, and Clannon are on our board right now. So this is our transitional board. Um, we're so thrilled that they've been stewards uh, of, of the, the um, organization so far and really appreciate their support. They're very accessible and available. Um, as you can see, I've designated what roles they're in. We have two ex officio, three interested in two community, one of which is vacant right now. And so we ran our first election um, uh, this past April, so last month. It ran over two weeks, and a quorum per our bylaws was to meet 33% uh, voter turnout. We were fortunate enough to have 80, close to 85% voter turnout. Um, so an incredible turnout, really engaged membership, um, which I'm just thrilled about because it really means that our um, governance really does reflect um, the wishes of the members. Um, we actually ran um, two forums during the course of this period to ensure that there was very open and transparent communication to meet for all members to meet candidates and for candidates to be able to answer questions from our members. And so um, I'm thrilled to announce who um, our elected directors were as a result of this election. Um, we have Drs. Uh, Berenice Perez, Dr. Lija Ji, um, Dr. Vanessa Grubb, Dr. Derek Taylor, and then that vacant spot that we'll talk about in just a moment. So two of these directors are interested directors, two of them are community directors, one of whom is replacing, one of the community directors is replacing the vacancy that was left by the resignation that I mentioned earlier. And so the approval for today is to approve these election results um, and also just to suggest that we are waiting for an appointment of one of the Board of Trustees to the designated director spots starting July 1st, 2021. Thank you, Dr. Achilles Warren. Can, uh, uh, sorry, I'm uh, asking questions at last second. Talk to me about the makeup of um, 
what's what's the, the the diversity amongst the board? And I guess we can kind of do this a little bit together. Do you, do you have any? And and I'm sorry, that's a last minute ask. Um, but I think you kind of have good a good feel of the, the diversity amongst this board. Um. We have diversity, certainly from the perspective of um, the subspecialties represented, the people that are here that are either um, relatively um, new to AHS versus sort of um, uh, have been here for quite a long time. So our transitional board was made by uh, folks that are really well known to the system, which is great because they were able to oversee the transition of the merger of the two medical groups. Um, so we're very lucky to have them. While our new directors um, that I'll flash here are relatively new members of our organization and can really bring that alternative perspective. Um, are there other um, dimensions by which you want to, um, to, to know about diversity? Uh, male, female, and is this representative of our physicians at large? And is this representative of our, and I know this is a tough question, apologies, Tifra, of our patient uh, population at large? That's a great Great question. Um, we did run a survey of what our uh, what the composition of East Bay Medical Group looks like, and uh, while we actually are very aligned with um, both uh, the racial and gender demographics of um, our patient populations and the patients of Alameda County, um, we are missing on certain marks. For example, uh, we have an underrepresentation of Latinx physicians relative to the Latinx patients that we see. Um, so uh, I guess, you know, I don't have exact answers to your questions as um, I have not asked these members how they self-identify necessarily. Yeah. Um, so I'd, I'd prefer not to make assumptions about gender and whatnot. But I will say that on the whole, um, we are seeing an overrepresentation of what I was assumed to be women um, on our board of directors, um, as well as an overrepresentation of uh, BIPOC individuals. Okay. Well, thank you, Dr. Achilles Warren. And uh, before I entertain a motion, you know, um, I'll, I'll say that the, the trustees very much uh, appreciated, were engaged, and enjoyed your presentation at the uh, at the board retreat that we had, because it helped us to kind of have a vision and 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 discussion, uh, and and to just start thinking about East Bay Medical Group's uh, uh, position within this organization, because it's a strategic imperative, uh, the physician group. So we look forward to continue to dialogue with you and about finding you a, the space to have those discussions about viability, uh, about about the vision, and uh, you know we can we can give you a venue to have those discussions. Okay. Thank you. Um, Trustees, any comments? Uh, I'm sorry, I see Trustee uh, Trustee Jensen's um, uh, hand up. Hi, Trustee Jensen. Thank you, um, thank you, Mr. Chair. And my question is related to diversity as well. Um, Dr. Hillswan, um, can you comment on East Bay Medical Group's composition with regard to non-physicians? And, um, and it doesn't appear that any non-physicians are on the board. Is that intentional or is there a requirement that all the board members be physicians? Thank you for the question. Right now we have approximately six um, uh, members, FTEs, that are non-physicians that are physician assistants. We don't have any other types of roles um, within the organization today. Um, and there is no, as far as I can tell, I reread the bylaws today and there are no um, limitations on who can serve on our board as far as whether they have to be a physician or not. Right now, we did not have anyone nominated by the nominating committee, which was set up um, last July, um, that nominated a non-physician to the, to the board. Thank you. Trustees, any other questions? 
May I entertain a motion to enter? Uh, uh, sorry, Trustee Banerjee. Yeah, um, two things. One is each of these uh, four seem outstanding and really great additions to the board. <coughs> so congratulations. Really great to see the big turnout. And the other thing is keep please keep getting your candid in, insights at the boardroom. The more honesty and the more uh, transparency we have, the better we'll work together and we can advocate for all the physicians leaders. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Trustee Banerjee. Uh, given that, may I entertain a motion to approve the entire slate of, of uh, new directors? That is Dr. Grubbs, that is Dr. Shia, that is Dr. Perez, and that is Dr. Taylor. Is that correct? Yes. So moved. Second. Um, may I have a roll call, please? Yes. Uh, Trustee Banerjee. Aye. Trustee Bouquet. Aye. Trustee Blue. Aye. Trustee Dung. Aye. Trustee Esteen. Aye. Trustee Fox. Aye. Trustee Friedman. Aye. Trustee Jensen. Yes. Trustee Slimdaria. Aye. The motion passes. Thank you very much, Dr. Achilles Warren. Thank you very much. You have a nearly complete board of directors and uh, uh, I'll communicate with you uh, about the generation of an ad hoc, ad hoc committee to find uh, uh, the trustee uh, representative. Thank you very much. With that, we close item F1. Item G is staff reports. Uh, trustees, are there any questions about staff reports? Item G1, G2, G3. One is the CFO's report, one is the COO's report, and the other is a revenue cycle performance um, uh, report. It was engaging reading. <laughs> Barring none, uh, uh, I'll uh, announce that we're uh, going into closed session for the audience. We're estimating closed session to be around, and, and for the trustees, hopefully in the 45 minute range, because I have a promise to Trustee Splendorio to try to keep it three hours and below. And um, uh, so we'll come back out and announce when we're finished, but there's going to be no further items for the open session. So thank you for your attendance, and I'll, I'll defer to council to make the announcement. We will now enter closed session to discuss the items Dave, that needed on the agenda. Why don't you guys just go ahead and eat? <laughs> we'll go to closed session and maybe find some food. Um, so um, see everyone in closed session.